Well, good morning, Life Church. Hey, it is so good to see you all here this morning. Thank you for joining us online. For all those who are with us right now online, I hope you're enjoying, again, I'm going to tell you your cinnamon buns and your coffee, and I hope it feels good to wear a robe when you're, when you're watching church, but that's, that's cool. That's not our reality here. We are here in person. You need to check it out if you haven't come yet. Uh, and we're so glad for all you that are here this morning. Thank you. We want to just welcome especially any visitors that are here, people that are not normally with us. You are so welcome here this morning. I hope you've enjoyed our time of worship and uh, the Word of God that's come forward all, forth already, and uh, we're so excited for what God is doing and for what He's about to do. Amen? Amen. And if you are new here today, or if you've just joined us online for the first time today, you're joining us in the middle of a sermon series called Values. And we were able to kick off this sermon series a couple weeks back by talking about our purpose statement, which is to care for and bring people to Jesus. To care for and bring people to Jesus. Last week, um, I shared with you our first value that uh, we listed, and that was the value of the Word of God. We build our lives on His Word. And we talked about the fact that we don't build our lives on a theory or an idea, but we build it on the solid foundation of the Word of God. 66 books written by 40 different authors over 1,600 years uh, in three different languages, yet it's an integrated message system that speaks about Jesus. Amen? And so we were able to dig into that last week. And then this week, are you guys ready? Is it up there already? No, it's not up there yet. Wait, just don't, don't put it up there yet. This week, our value is, go ahead, put it up there, worship. This week, our value is worship. We value, at Life Church. we value worship. We value worship. And here's the statement. We are a Holy Spirit-led church who live to see God glorified in all things. I'm going to read that again. We are a Holy Spirit-led church who live to see God glorified in all things. Okay, so this is what this is going to look like this morning. I'd like you to turn your Bibles right now to John chapter 4. And we're going to be reading John chapter 4, verse 20 uh, through 24. We're going to get there in just a moment. But today we have a little bit of a special treat because I get to tag team with who I think is like the most beautiful woman in the world. And she's sitting on the front row right here. And it's my gorgeous wife, Tanya, and I. We're going to be able to tag team this morning. So you get to hear from her about worship. I'm going to give you the introduction. We're going to read our text together. We're going to pray. I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction here. And then uh, Tanya's going to step up. and She's going to take the first two points. And then I'm going to take the last one. And then she's going to close the service today. It's going to be awesome. Are you guys with me? This is going to be great this morning. So, so John chapter 4, verse 20. And let's read it right now. John chapter 4, verse 20. And this is what it says. Uh, this is, by the way, uh, just to give you some context, Jesus is walking through the land of Samaria on his way to Jerusalem. And as he's going through, they stop in a town. There, he's thirsty. There's a Samaritan woman that comes to the well. He asks her for a drink. And this is the part of the conversation that they have. He, she says this, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and the Jews say in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Everybody say spirit and truth. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much this morning for your word, God, that your word is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Father, I pray that as the word goes forth this morning, Lord God, Lord Jesus, that it would impact us beyond this day. I pray, Lord God, that as the word goes forth, Lord Jesus, that our hearts would be transformed by you. God, we come open and ready to receive what you have for us today, Lord God. I get out of the way and I say, God, do what you want to do. I pray that you would anoint my wife as she speaks your word this morning, and I pray that the Canucks would win the Stanley Cup. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just had to throw that in there. Because they're, they're looking okay so far this year, but, you know, they, they could use some help. So we're going to help them. All right. Praise Jesus. All right, right on. Well, listen, this morning we are talking about worship, and I just want to get something out of the way right now, because I'm guessing if you know us, you realize that uh, we were just up there leading worship. So I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, yeah, of course you're going to be talking about worship. I mean, obviously, you're passionate about it. Obviously, that's something that you're really into, so of course you're talking about worship. But listen, this morning, we're talking about worship of the great King and Lord of all the earth. We're talking about a response that we can have to His greatness. And this morning, when we talk about worship, lest you think it's just we're talking about a song service, worship is about so much more than a song. We're talking about worship that is deeper than that. You know, one of the, my favorite definitions that I was able to find is from a great worship leader by the name of Darlene Check. Anybody ever heard of Darlene Check? If you haven't heard of her, perhaps you've heard of her, her hit Christian song. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. You guys know that one? Power and majesty, praise to the King. We could just keep going on that, couldn't we? We'll just have a worship service. Well, she wrote a great definition about worship, and this is what she says. She says, true worship is not about the songs, the vocals, the band, or the choir. All of those things contribute to a great expression of worship. But the essence of worship is when your heart and your soul, the core of your being, connects with and adores the Spirit of God. Now the big word here that I want to highlight is the word that is highlighted in the definition, the word expression. Worship is an expression And this idea of an expression, if you were to define it, is to make known your thoughts and your feelings. In other words, worship is like, it's like an overflow of your thoughts and feelings, your emotions and a response. But this is what it is. It's a response to what? What is known. Now, if we were to tie this into what we talked about last week, worship is an expression of the foundation that we have in him. It's an expression of something that is not... Now, when I say that, you might often think, well, that that might be airy-fairy. What do you mean by that? In in Psalm 45, verse 1, it says, My heart overflows with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. I love how poetic that is. My heart overflows. You know what it's like? It's like um, when Tanya and I first got married. And by the way, it's still like this. But I remember this moment when we first got married... And I remember we were walking down the street of Vancouver right before we were about to get on a plane to like fly somewhere exotic for our honeymoon. And we're walking down the street and we're holding hands and I just didn't know how to express what was going on inside. And so I would look over at my wife and I would squeeze her hand and I would say, burst. And she would look at me and go, what? And I said, I just don't know what else to say. 
it just feels like burst. And so she caught it. And so then she's walking and she goes, burst. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, burst. And I just didn't even know how to express it. You know, it's like, it's like when I come in after a day's work and my kids are there and my daughter walks into the room and I just go, oh man. And I just got to grab her, especially my breezy girl, my youngest one. And I just pick her up and I just give her the biggest bear hug. And I say, oh, I just love you so much. And then I just, I put her down because I got to express this overflow. But the overflow is not just some airy-fairy kind of out there, hey, emotional thing. It actually is a response to something that is known. It has a depth to it. It's deeper than just an expression or emotion. It's, it's, a, it's deeper than that. Where does it come from? It's a, rec- it's a response that comes from knowing. This is where worship is not driven by emotions, but it's based on a greater reality. Remember, we build our lives on his word. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. It's not just some out there belief or how I'm feeling today or how I'm going to feel tomorrow, but it's based on the, the, the consistent truth of the word of God. And that knowing pushes us into responding. It's what Philippians 3.10 says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. This word for know in the Greek is the word gnosko, which means to know or perceive or to have intimate knowledge. It's, it's the same word in the Hebrew that is the word yada, which means to know. And how they use that word in the Old Testament is they say it like this. They say Adam yadad his wife Eve. He knew her. To have a depth of understanding and knowledge. And out of that depth and understanding of knowledge comes the burst. The worship. Worship, therefore, is an intellectual response as well as an emotional response. Bob Sorge says this, our worship is no higher than our knowledge of God. Just like in any relationship, worship is not always emotional, but is often, I call it, a joyful discipline that we get to choose to respond to his greatness now we mentioned earlier that worship is an expression and so it's not just limited to a musical expression so the questions that i have this morning is how do we value worship in our daily lives if we value worship what does that look like and how do we live out this idea that we are a holy spirit-led church who lives to see god glorified in all things And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to highlight three expressions of worship. And to take on the first two, you need to give her a big hand, you guys, is my beautiful wife, Tanya. Get rid of my notes. We don't need two sets. That'll really confuse me. All right. The first expression of worship that is the most obvious, the most well-known that we would think of when you think of praise and worship, you think automatically music, right? Musical expression of worship, which is a powerful, powerful expression of worship. And Matt and I, when we were like studying for this, we're like, you know what? There's so much to talk about 
about the musical expression of our congregational gathering and worshiping together, that we're going to do a whole series on that in the new year on worship because we are passionate about that. There's so much power in the presence of God. There's so much power in music, the tool of music, and it can break chains. It can heal in the powerful presence of God when we join in corporate worship and use music as the tool. And so we will, so I'm not going to unpack that in such great depth today because it deserves a sermon but I'm going to go a little bit there. But we're going to talk about the musical expression. And we value at Life Church the musical expression of worship. All right? Um, because values influence our culture, we want to touch on the culture of worship at Life Church. And I want to talk a tiny bit about the history. And you think, the history? You only got here two years ago. Well, that's kind of true. And I also was here... 25 years ago as a little girl and as a teenager growing up here and on that stage and in this building and in school here and in youth group. And, and then I heard the stories and I know the stories because I've been a part of this culture and this, this group, this fellowship of churches called MFI, Minister Fellowship International, which is what the church that we are a part of this greater family of churches. And so Matt and I are very familiar with the history and the roots. And I was telling the worship team on Thursday night when we were practicing. We meet every Thursday night to practice over at Life Center. And I said, you know, the first Sunday when I got here two years ago, when Matt and I got prayed in to be associate pastors two years ago, I had this great sense that we were, it, it was like this humbling weight and this awesome privilege that I felt the weight of a baton being passed on. And we hadn't even received, I mean, just three weeks ago, we received the baton of lead pastor of the church. But I felt the weight of what we were stepping into and what we were being called to here at this church. And I felt the depth and the, the history and the men and women who have come before us and that were here, I'm talking about in the 70s and the 80s, that were digging wells of worship digging wells of worship in this place. And I got to be a part of it for a little bit. And then I moved on and to another church that was a part of this church family. And we dug wells of worship there. But it's this great history of men and women of God just doing the work of singing the praises, of declaring the praises, of digging wells that now we can come and walk into. And I felt this weight two years ago that I'm like, oh, Lord, you're, you're giving this to us. We get to take this baton and now run forward with this, with all the amazing history and the, of what the men and women have done in this place before us. And now you're choosing us to take the charge. And I was so honored and so blessed. And this history, this well of worship, we want to tap into that. We want to draw from that well. And God has such great things ahead in our worship, in our congregational gathering. And when we come and we join and we make his praises known and we declare who he is, God wants to meet us in even greater, deeper ways as we move forward as a church. And that is why we are so passionate about the musical expression of worship. Now, I'm going to read a story. There's so much power in story. Isn't there? Now, this story is very applicable to us as a church, and it's from this book, Sons of Purpose, which actually Matt just introduced to me as we were studying for um, today. And it is about the history of the fellowship of churches that we are part of, MFI, and it kind of how it started back in the 1940s. Am I right when I'm saying 30s, 40s? And 
it brings, it's the history of what brings us to how we, as a church, worship today. And I was so moved. We were so moved in studying it. And we, we knew that you needed to hear the history. All right. And this great man named Reg Lazelle had a major influence on the DNA of how we view and practice our worship today. He is the father of our worship movement, how we worship today, how we see as a church at Life Church, we are Holy Spirit led. It was in the value statement that we'll keep repeating, but we will be Holy Spirit led, not man led. We pray that every time we get on that stage that we are Holy Spirit led, that we are presence driven. We, are, we, should, we want to just get into the presence of God. We want to run into the throne room of God. That is our only desire. It is not to make the most beautiful sound, even though we want to make an excellent sound to the Lord, because that's important. But we want to draw people into the presence of God, and we want to come and worship at his feet. That is the goal. We want to make room for his presence. So this whole worship movement, those things, Holy Spirit-led, presence-driven worship, making room and lingering in the presence of God, this movement was started, found, based on a revelation by this man, Reg Lazel. And I want to read this. Just stay with me on this, because this story is so, so powerful. So he came to a church in Abbotsford in the 1940s, right? And he was a speaker. He was going to come and just speak. And so he came, he was a guest speaker because the lead pastor was sick. So it's coming into a church to come and take over for the pastor who is sick. He's an evangelist. He's nervous. This Reg Lazel doesn't really know this congregation. The Sunday morning goes, okay, mediocre, Sunday night, mediocre. And in this book, it talks about a Tuesday night service. Again, mediocre. They met a lot <laughs> back in the day. So the Wednesday comes around, and Reg Lazel is like, ah, this is not going to do. No more mediocre. We need the presence of God. I need the Lord. So he decides to spend Wednesday fasting and praying in the church building. He tells the staff, I'm just going to be there. I'm just going to be praying. Okay? So that's where the story starts. So he's been praying all day, kind of that joyful discipline that Matt was talking about, kind of pushing through. And um, then he begins reading, okay? And he, this scripture sticks out to him. And this is where his revelation is based out of. It's Psalm 22, verse 3. It says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Thou art holy. Thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel, Psalm 22, verse 3. Now, his initial reaction was, the Holy Spirit must be convicting him of the lack of holiness, because thou art holy. So he tried to remember and repent of every sin that he had ever committed. But still, nothing. He didn't feel anything. Then this, the scripture assures us that God forgives all our sins and puts them into the sea of his forgetfulness. So Reg was trying to get God to remember something that he'd completely forgotten. Didn't work. Suddenly, the rest of scripture, the rest of that scripture began to grip him. Oh, that thou inhabits the praises of Israel. He lives in the praises of his people. He needed God. He knew he needed God that Wednesday. So believing the word that God lives in the praises of his people, he decided, okay, I'm going to fill this building with God since that's where he lives. I'm going to just do this. So at about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, he began to praise the Lord loudly. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He simply decided that if God lives in the praises of his people, he was going to fill that building 
with God's praises in faith and in obedience to his word. So he walked around the building, praising God with an audible voice. He walked around the piano, and he walked around every pew with his hands in the air, praising God loudly. Then he went into the washrooms, the cloakroom, the furnace room. He did nothing else but walk in every nook and cranny and corner of that building, praising God, irrespective of his feelings. Before too long, he sensed a springing up, is how the words he described it, a springing up of the well of the water of the Spirit within him. At about 7.15 in the evening, so that's a long time. Let's just think about that. Three o'clock till seven, he just walked around praising the Lord. As people started coming in, he dropped to his knees at the platform and quietly kept right on praising and worshiping God. Prior to this time, it was customary to offer praises in the prayer room, but in the sanctuary, we would only sing hymns. The practice of corporate worship was unknown at this time. As Reg continued to quietly praise the Lord at the altar, he noticed that folks coming in stopped talking to one another as they usually did, and some joined him in prayer as they took their seats. Already, Reg sensed the presence of God in that sanctuary, a presence that had not been there previously. At 7.30 p.m., he went to the pulpit and he announced the hymn, There's Power in the Blood. That's the song we're going to sing. He later said he will always remember what transpired, transpired as they sang that old hymn. We have heard Reg tell this story many times. We sang the first verse. When we got to the chorus after the second verse, suddenly a girl on one side of the church threw up her hands and began to speak in tongues. Soon, a sister on the other side began to shout and speak in tongues. Then someone in the, in the center pews burst out speaking in tongues and praising the Lord, saying, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. All three of them were baptized in the Holy Spirit. This was the first time he had ever seen anyone baptized with the Holy Spirit in the church during a song service. Following that initial outpouring, Reg continued to wait on the Lord each day in the church. He used his concordance to check out other praise scriptures. It was during that week that he received a definite revelation that was the faith sacrifice of his praise. Spoken of by Paul in Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God that is our fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. For the remaining time in that Abbotsford church, he expounded on scriptures concerning praise and worship in Psalms and Prophets, as well as in Acts and the Epistles. As the people entered into praise and worship with renewed faith, it resulted in a breakthrough in the church. This sacrifice of praise became a key to experiencing the presence of God continually and maintaining a spirit of revival in the churches. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that story amazing? It just stirred up our faith. Just knowing what happens when we begin to speak, sing, shout, declare the praises of our God, who he is, what he's done. He lives in those praises. He lives in those praises. So by the way, that isn't just for our Sunday morning service or for our song service. That is something that can happen as Matt's going to to take that part, but that can happen in any part of our lives. You want to be in the presence of God? Guess what? Start singing his praises. Start declaring his praises. Start filling your houses with worship. Start 
filling your cars with worship, your workplace with worship, because the word of God says he lives in the praises of his people. Isn't that an amazing promise? Amazing promise. So we believe that there is power as we speak and sing and play instruments, because I'm talking about musical expression here on Sunday morning. There's power in it. He lives there. Now, really quickly, if I can have that chart up on the, on the slide there. One thing, because as we're going through these values, we want you to know what we believe in, what we value here at Life Church. All right? We believe the pattern for New Testament worship is found in the scriptures and is described in Psalms. Sometimes it's called the Davidic um, expression of worship. And the pattern is demonstrative that is characterized by using our voices in singing, in singing, shouting, and talking. Okay? Speaking. The, that It's kind of cut off there. Speaking, singing, and shouting. We use our hands. We lift our hands. We believe in the lifting of hands. Playing instruments, clapping. Again, these are all something that we're going to expound on more in a sermon series on musical expressions of worship. Posture. We believe in standing, bowing, dancing. All of these things are a part of our musical expression, our worship to God when we gather corporately. All right? Now, we read the scripture at the very beginning. I'm going to just revisit really quickly. We talked about uh, when Matt read John 4, verse 20 to 24, and I'm going to highlight verses 23 and 24 of John 4. It says, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What does that mean? What does that mean? to worship in spirit and truth, because if that, are, if those are the type of worshipers that God is looking for, we want to be those worshipers that worship in spirit and truth. Amen? All right. Number one, worshiping in spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. When we worship in spirit, we can tap into a deeper level of worship, a new level, a re- richer, deeper, um, new level that Christ has for us. Now, in Raymond Brown says, the spirit raises men above the earthly level, where we just humans, we all reside on this human level. The spirit raises us above that earthly level, the level of the flesh, and enables us humans to worship properly. Just as we need the Holy Spirit to help us in praying, we also need the Holy Spirit to enable us in our worship. You know, in Romans 8, 26, we have that scripture that says, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And that is also the Spirit of God that we tap into with worship. Sometimes you may not know exactly what to sing, what to say. Maybe you're in such a spot that you don't even know. Well, we need the Spirit to enable our worship to take us to that next level, just like in prayer. To worship in spirit. This is another quote by Graham Kendrick. I believe we have a slide for it because it's so good and I want you to be able to read it. To worship in spirit is to tap into the very source of worship himself, the inexhaustible, endless praising spirit of God, and allow him liberty to join with our spirit in expressing through our mind and body the worth of our Savior Jesus and the love of our Heavenly Father. Yes, it's up there. We can align ourselves with the Holy Spirit, and he helps us 
tap into the very source of worship itself. Again, taking us deeper, taking us to a new level in worship. Worshiping in truth, what does that look like? It means that our worship needs to be centered on Jesus, who is the truth. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 1, verse 14 says, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Our worship must be enabled by the Holy Spirit, but directed to the Father through Jesus. There's that quote right there by Ernest Gentile. Our worship must be enabled by the Holy Spirit. That's what I just talked about with the Spirit-led worship. Enabled by the Spirit, but directed to our Father God through Jesus, the truth. We need to know Jesus. We need to know the truth. Now, Matt talked about this earlier when he just went in our in introduction. He was saying we need to know the word of God. And our worship is not just an airy-fairy emotional experience when the worship gets so powerful and, oh, I'm lost in worship. That's not the whole essence of worship. That's the, the music is the tool that can bring us into great worship. But real heart worship is when we know the God when we know, when we have intimate relationship, oh, that I may know him, we know him, and out of that we worship in truth because we know the truth. There's a depth there. We need to have intimate relationship with him. In John 4, 22, the passage, our main passage, she says, um, this, or Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, those Samaritan people worship what they don't know, but we now worship what we know because we have this word of God and we now have the awesome privilege that we can have relationship with our God. Yeah. Our worship is no higher than our knowledge of him. That was a quote we read at the beginning by Bob Sorge. No higher. I want to know him that I may know Christ so that my worship is so rich and so pure and has such great depth that it is a sweet, sweet sound to our Jesus. Number two. Another expression of our worship is our service to him, the expression of our service. Now, you know, that's why we say it's not just limited. Worship is not just limited to the songs we sing and the powerful presence of God in a time of a musical worship service. But no, our worship is in everything we do, our service. Romans 12:1 says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, is by giving our lives, giving everything you do, your living and your breathing, your day in and your day out becomes your worship to him. That in our service here on a Sunday morning, that is welcoming the greeters at the door, the, the friendly smile at the connect desk. That can be your worship to God because you're doing it because you love him. So that is your, this crew here in the back, this amazing tech crew that's doing everything, keeping us online and keeping us on sound so you can hear us and light so you can see us online. All the things that these guys do is their worship to God. It is no less than what is going on on this, on Sunday morning. Please understand that. What you do is your worship to Jesus. When it's done with that heart and attitude, like, Lord, I love you, it's the overflow. We talked about the overflow. This is my overflow. So I'm going to go into kids' ministry, and I'm going to teach my heart out. I'm going to take the bad attitudes and the misbehavior because I want this love that I have to overflow to those kids, and that is my act of, that's my act of worship. 
all right? All the things, all the things we do. And, and the taking down of chairs, the setting up, all the things, the group that gets here at 8 a.m. to set up in the morning, that is our spiritual act of worship. And it's beautiful. It is no less, no greater, no different than what goes on when a team comes up here and sings worship. Our service is our spiritual, there's another act of worship, another expression of worship, giving of your finances, giving of your time, our worship. It is an overflow of our love and adoration. And sometimes it's a joyful discipline. Joyful discipline, don't you love that use of words? It's our discipline to sometimes say, okay, Lord, don't feel like it, but this is my worship to you. May we be a church that does everything out of our love for Jesus, not unto man, but unto the Lord. Awesome. Okay, number three, and then we're going to land this. So we've got the musical expression of worship. We've got the service expression of worship. And then number three, you'll kind of notice we're kind of zooming out a little bit uh, from one single idea outward, and now we're coming out into the lifestyle expression of worship. And this is answering the question of how does this uh, value impact my daily life? How do I live this out? How do I live out that we are a Holy Spirit-led church who lives to see Him glorified? And we're going to go back around now, back to our text today in John chapter 4, because we get an answer in this text. And what's happening in this text is the Samaritan woman is asking Jesus a very applicable question to that time. She says to Him, she says, uh, where are we supposed to worship? See, our fathers say that we need to worship on this mountain, and the, you Jews say that we need to come over here. And what had happened is the Samaritan people were actually kind of a, a mixed race of Jews with the surrounding uh, uh, tribes uh, that were there, mainly the Assyrians. And so when the, uh, the Babylonians had come in and they had taken the, the, the Israelites captive into Babylon, they had moved them and brought them in captive into Babylon. There was a group that was left behind. And this remnant intermarried with some of the people around them, and they became the Samaritans. And because at that time there was no temple, they made up their own temple. They built it on a mountain. I think it's called Geharism. Don't, try, don't quote me on that. You can look it up afterwards. But they built their own temple. They had their own institution of, of, of priests and their own ways. And they kind of took some of the ideas that surrounded them, some of the pagan worship, and they kind of integrated it into their temple a little bit. And that's part of the reason why there was such enmity between the Israelites or the Jews and the Samaritans is because these people were kind of a mixed race. They were doing their own thing. They had their own mountain that they would worship on. So the woman is saying this, okay, Jesus, I'm hearing that we're supposed to, this is like the big controversy of the day. This is the COVID of the day, right? This is the controversy. And so they're saying, okay, well, I'm hearing some people tell me that I need to go to this mountain over here, and I'm hearing some people tell me that I need, the Jews are saying I need to go to, to this place over here. What do you say? And this is what Jesus says, and I'm going to read it to you. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming and now is when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, but we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. Okay, this is 2,000 years ago. And now is. So it's the same today when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Okay, so here's the revelation. Jesus is saying, listen, you've heard that you need to go over here to worship. And the Jews say that you need to go over here to worship. But I'm going to tell you something. Something is shifting now in the spirit 
Because you no longer are going to find that the Spirit of God only dwells in this temple or in this temple. But what's about to happen is I'm making all things new. And the new temple is in your heart. It's inside of you. See, our worship is not limited to a Sunday morning. Our worship is not limited to a church service. Our worship service is not limited to 1030, turning on your TV and and then turning it off again at 12 o'clock. It's not limited to that because you are carriers of his presence. And in the book of 1 Corinthians, it says this, it says 316 says, do you not know that you are the temple of the of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? So 1 Corinthians 6.19, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? I love this quote from Ernest Gentile. The worship that God seeks is a worship not frozen to a sacred temple or a sacred place or a building or by loyalty to a particular tradition, but a worship which is living, the ever new response to God who is spirit. See, this is what Jesus is telling her. This is the exciting thing, and this is what applies to us today, is that you take what you have here and you carry it with you throughout your week. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and He dwells within you. So that means that worship is not only a service or a song, it's not only just working in the church on a Sunday morning, but it is actually a lifestyle. That in whatever you do, you do it unto the glory of God. So your marriage is an act of worship unto the Lord. Your business is an act of worship unto the Lord. If you teach school on Monday morning, that's an act of worship to the Lord. If you, uh, whatever you do, in everything that you do, it's a joyful discipline. Why? Because we are carriers of his presence. We are a people of his presence. So let's go back to this, this value, this conclusion again. We value worship. We are a Holy Spirit-led church. By the way, the church is not a building. We found that out through COVID. We are the church. We are a Holy Spirit-led church. That means you. Okay, that's not just, oh yeah, life church, those guys. They're a Holy Spirit-led church. No, no, no. We. Everybody say we. We are a Holy Spirit-led church who live to see God glorified in all things. So what does this look like? Maybe you've had a hard week. Maybe you've just, you've been feeling it's been putting you down. Your mind is the furthest thing from your mind is worship. When you come here on a Sunday morning and we hit that first chord, Oh man, there ought to be such grace that hits you at that moment because you're reminded of his greatness. And there's two responses you could have. You could say, oh, I feel so guilty because I forgot about the greatness of God throughout my week. That would be one response. Or there could be this joyful response that says, God, thank you for reminding me of your greatness. I needed to be reminded of that. And then you overflow and respond to him in song. And then that song carries you into the next day, into the next day, and the next day, because you are carriers of the presence of God. Do you see that? Do you see that? Tanya's going to come and conclude this morning. Well, he did an amazing job of really concluding it for us. But we really want to just respond in worship today, in a musical expression of worship, but also with our hearts 
And there's scripture that I kept hearing in my head as we were preparing was Hebrews 4.16 that says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That's exactly what Matt was just talking about. You know, here on a Sunday morning, when you can turn on online or you can come here into this place, we now, because of the sacrifice of what Jesus did so long ago, we can run boldly into his throne room and we can sit there and worship and we can receive his mercy and his grace in time of need. It's all there. And we can be reminded, like what Matt just said, of his goodness, of his faithfulness, of all he has done. And it can build strength in us to go out and continue worshiping through our weeks, through our days. And that is the type of people that we want to be. That is the type of person I want to be. I want us to be that we would be people that would literally carry the presence of God into each space that we go. Every day, every moment, every conversation, every relationship, every work environment, anything. We're coming, and our lives are this surrender. Here's my worship. Here's my worship, God. All of this, all of this. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Whatever you do, we're a church that will worship in spirit and in truth. We want to be Holy Spirit-led, presence-driven. That means we just want to get to the place where Jesus and I are face-to-face. We want to know Jesus want to know the power that raised Christ from the dead. Philippians 3.10. I want to know. And we want to be temples of the Holy Spirit, that our lives are a place of worship. We can worship everywhere, anytime, any place. It's not just here. It's not just based on, oh, they sang my favorite song. I feel the presence of God this morning. No, my joyful discipline, I'm coming, whether I feel like it or not, and I'm going to sing, I'm going to declare. And what did we learn from our forefathers? He lives in the praises. He lives in our praises. He lives in my praises. So I want to declare his goodness in my car in the morning on the school ride when it's maybe not my favorite time of the day. (laughs) (laughs) when we were like just in the car running to school. I want to declare his goodness in the workplace. I want to declare who he is and I want to sing and shout and speak and make known how good he is and how faithful he is because then his presence is abiding and there he is. He lives. He lives in that place and that's where I want to be, in the place where my God dwells. So we just want to respond in worship. We're going to sing How Great Is Our God. You could just stand. He deserves our all. He deserves our worship. We want to be a people of his presence. We want it to be known that this house, Life Church, where there has been 
years and years of men and women of God worshiping and praising and loving our God and faithfully serving Him. And they are digging wells, digging wells, and now we, in the year 2021 and moving forward, can draw from those wells of worship that men and women have dug before. And now we, we want to dig deeper and we want to know and experience the presence of God in greater ways, in deeper ways. But we also are so grateful for the revelation and for what has been poured into this house. Let's talk about this house, Life Church. And now we want to go further and deeper in our understanding, our revelation, and our worship of God. Amen? Let's respond to today. God, sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God, yeah. how great is our God, sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Come on, you're the name above all names. You're the name above all names, worthy of all praise. My heart will sing how great is our God. You're the name above all names. You're the name above all names. Worthy of our praise. You are worthy of all praise. My heart will sing how great. God, come on, we sing how great, and how great is our God, sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Is our God? Sing with me how great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. Jesus, how great. Father, we declare your greatness. We declare your praises. 
be lifted up in this place, Lord God. Be lifted up in our lives. Be lifted up inside of us, Lord Jesus. And we just pray, Lord God, that you would fill each person here today with a fresh impartation, the kabod presence of God, the heavy presence of God. We pray that it would come and fill us today. That we would walk in it. That we would live in it, Lord Jesus. Father, that we would reflect your glory everywhere we go. Jesus, that's our heart cry today. Let us be carriers of your presence in everything that we do, Lord God. Oh, Father, increase our faith, increase our expectation. We are ready. We are waiting. Because we know that you can do great things. We pray for testimonies of your presence throughout this week. Testimonies of your goodness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.